With most things in life, there is usually more to what we see than what meets our eye, leaving us to our own meaningful interpretations and our own beautiful stories. When it comes to art, Greg's is no exception. We all see ourselves, our loved ones, our pains, our triumphs, and our hearts in these paintings. From Greg's studio to our living rooms, these images take on new and different meaning with each wall they hang on and each life they touch. Now, Greg invites you to take a glimpse behind the curtain into his own stories and inspirations of his art. Because just like us, these creations have a deeper story to tell. And if we let them, we'll find that they have the power to be healing, inspiring, and awakening. Hi, Kylie. We're here. So, Should we tell people where we are? Yeah, yeah. You tell people where we are. We're hiding out in Sid's closet. In, in my it's, mom's closet, it's like the only has the best place. acoustics. We yeah, think. It's hilarious. Hopefully, she doesn't walk. In I won't tell you what I'm dressed us. in. <laughs> my mom's robe. Yeah. It's what he paints in. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we're up here in the closet. We'll make do for now until we get like some glitzy podcast interview yes, studio. Yes. Um, okay, so. You didn't just become Craig Olson. Everybody knows that you have all these beautiful paintings of Jesus, but there's, I mean, 800 years that you lived before that, well, getting yeah. you to be the artist. This is that how you old are. your kids think you are. No, so I, I mean, we were just talking downstairs with, with mom about how much your childhood, how interesting it is that you know your childhood was so indicative of. The life that you live today, that you spent so much of your boyhood in your imagination. So I want to know, like, what events in your childhood would you say were indicative of becoming the artist that, that people would recognize as, as Greg Olson today? It, well, it's, it is kind of interesting as I think back myself, because Iona, Idaho, the little town where I grew up, is a, a place where you know, I didn't really have any exposure to cultural things per se. I mean, there were no art museums around or no great collections of uh, paintings or sculpture or anything like that. And most of the things that we as kids did for entertainment were things we had to invent ourselves. And so that probably helped me out in the creativity department because I was always forced actually to use my imagination to try to invent things to entertain myself and probably other people did too I mean there were creative people growing up who surrounded us you know there were uh, a group of ladies that my mom hung around with that would go painting on weekends I had cousins and aunts and uncles who were artistic, and and maybe that was kind of forged from the same environment, just finding things to, you know, occupy your time, finding things to do that gave you some fulfillment because there weren't a, a lot of outward places to go, so you had to find things inside that were fulfilling and interesting and art kind of became one of those things for me even to first grade I can remember 
I think I've told this story to you before, Kylie. The first day of first grade, I was the second person to walk in the class, got to school early, and Odell Green was there. I was probably the littlest kid in first grade, and Odell was probably the biggest kid, but I got there, and he was already at a desk, and he was drawing, and I can still visualize this very cool, intricate drawing of cowboys and Indians on horseback with teepees and buffaloes and uh, forts and just seemed like a lot going on. And I was mesmerized. It was kind of like Odell was like Bob Ross, you know, just something. There was something mesmerizing about watching Odell sketch this out at his desk. And I was fascinated by that. And I remember going home. I don't... I don't know if it was that same day or not, but trying to do something similar. And we grew up next to my grandma and grandpa Olson and grandpa had a farm. And so I started drawing all the bales of hay out in the field and the tractor and the sheep and the barn and some of the machinery and stuff like that. Yeah, I was just kind of recording the world around me at the time so it was and that's age farm and rural stuff i was five the first day of first grade i would watch my mom i was fascinated by her wooden art box that carried all of her paints you know and how the easel would set up and i don't know and the smell of linseed oil and turpentine yeah the smell of oil paints would always was kind of intriguing to me she actually helped me do, uh, well, she didn't help, she didn't physically do it, but she gave me some guidance for a an art show in the eighth grade. This was my first attempt at oil painting. I'd done sketches and stuff like that up to this point. And I did a silhouette of a saguaro cactus with an Arizona sunset blazing in the background. And I I think I stayed up half the night finishing this for the art show in eighth grade and even had a little frame for it and hung it in the show. But because it was oil paints, it was still wet. And so I carefully calligraphied a, a little sign to hang next to it that said, please do not touch wet paint. And that works for normal humans, but for eighth graders, it's just oh, an no. invitation to see if... Is that true? So oh, no. by the end of the show, there were all these... It like, turned into a hands-on, <laughs> yes, interactive right. experience. Everyone else helped oh, no. out. So it was kind of somewhat abstract by the end of the show. Which um, is like a tiny foreshadowing for your later career. I had a client coming over to visit to see these. He was interested in them. And I went and met him somewhere else. We drove to our house. We were walking up to the front door, and the door opened, and there was Sid. And she said, oh, Greg, don't come in. (laughs) And I said, what happened? And she was just panicked. Long story short, she didn't want me to see what our son Nate had done at the time. Nate's, how old's Nate now? 33. (laughs) 33, almost 33. Yeah. 
Well, at the time, he was probably three, something like that. And we went into the little studio, and Nate was there, and he said, I help you, Daddy. (laughs) And he had a black magic marker in his hand. And he had helped me on three of those paintings, which were sitting on the floor up against the wall. And he had just... Three? Three of them scribbled with okay, black well, do you magic remember marker. The three? I remember uh, there was prayer for peace, and then one was uh, there. It was a, a lady. She was selling uh, fruits and vegetables, and she was seated in this marketplace with boxes, you know, uh, crates of vegetables and fruit next to her and he had scribbled over her face then there was another one i don't remember it's so nauseating and so tender and cute at the same time so i was fortunate i i found out no like step one what did you do well luckily there was company there i (laughs) i had to behave (laughs) yes oh thank you so much for your help okay so So needless to say i didn't i didn't make any sales that day (laughs) Because, uh, yeah, those pieces were not fun to look at. And obviously at. you recovered them, though. Well, I I started doing some homework, and I found out if you used a little bit of acetone, if you use a little bit, it will it can remove permanent marker. I used a little bit too much at first, and you know ate away the lady's head. In the I had to repaint it. But if you put it on a Q-tip and just did it very carefully and took your time, if you were patient, you could ultimately remove the, the magic marker. So, oh, anyway, that's we didn't have extra, to sacrifice my only son. Thrifty, <laughs> no Abraham situation. Yes. Yeah. close. Yeah. Um, that's especially handy of you when you consider that was all done without YouTube and Google. And yeah, I don't know how I figured internet. that out. That's yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of dates it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, this was prehistoric times. Yeah, like I said earlier, when you see your paintings, there's a very specific way that you paint Jesus. You may you may not like to own this because you get a little bashful when people try and compliment your work. And even if I'm biased, you're biased. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> biased, but I'm also. Also have a brain. Don't I pay you? <laughs> he has a list She's of compliments. Biased. She's he has a list biased. of compliments he wants me to drop during yes, this interview. Yeah. And I get, get paid for Yes. I mean, for a long time, Jesus was just painted as like Jesus on the cross. Or Jesus no smile. Jesus, just like portrait of Jesus. And a lot of them are really heavy, almost. You were... I would confidently say one of the first artists that started painting Jesus in very gentle, very normal, relatable scenarios. It's almost as if you humanized him and and created a bond between the person seeing the painting and Jesus because you brought him into all of these very human situations. And I think what's interesting about artists is you're, you're so much more than like a talented painter. You're a storyteller. What shaped you into painting him in such a tender way? Like It might be a little difficult, I mean, to, you know, 
see myself objectively. Yeah. But And I know I certainly have not been the first to attempt to portray Jesus that way. I grew up with some little Bible story books that my mom would read to me. And I think I the images that I was drawn to were the ones that, as a kid, you know, as a little kid, the ones that weren't scary, <laughs> the yeah. ones where he seemed kind and approachable and somebody that I could relate to, someone that I wouldn't be afraid to meet or, you know, feel so inferior or unworthy that I couldn't even, you know, approach him. And so maybe, maybe it was just wishful thinking or just trying to establish that idea in my mind that if there's a God and, you know, and his son came to earth, that they would get people like me, that they would be patient and loving and um, that I could feel totally comfortable in the presence of someone like that. So I, I don't have a specific image for Jesus in my mind. I use models as inspiration for that. And, and I, I've said this before, I try to make them all, I try to make my representations of him varied so that people don't think, you know, that I have this official version of him. That these, again, are like symbols or reminders of my feelings about, you know, someone like that in our lives. I think of a few obvious artists, you know, Norman Rockwell, Bob Ross. (laughs) You know, Norman Rockwell's the lifestyle artist, Bob Ross landscape, and and it's like you're the Jesus guy. (laughs) You know, with but, frizzy hair. And... Yeah, but it's it's interesting. This common thread of everyone's trying to tell a story and create an experience through these images. A lot of your early stuff is kids and children, and why Jesus? Hmm. I like to do the happy little Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Many artists have been challenged by the idea of trying to pers- portray something that is in the eyes of many people you know divine or spiritual something beyond the ordinary something that transcends you know our our everyday lives and so many artists have over the centuries have attempted to portray that kind of subject matter and and so i i think i was just one of those i i tried to paint things that were significant in my life and there was a period where you know raising a family you know the kids were just a lot of fun and they were great inspiration for subjects and so I was doing family themes and uh, you know I had sort of a western art period but all along the way um, sprinkled in with those other subjects I would do sort of inspirational, spiritual, um, you know, in in my case, Christian kinds of images. I was doing it for a long time before it ever made any kind of sense. I was doing it for myself. So I never started out, you know, to be a Christian artist. I I still kind of, you know, have a puzzled 
feeling when people refer to me as a Christian artist because that's part of what I do and it's you know been a significant genre that I've explored but I didn't start out thinking of myself that way. It's a difficult subject matter too. When you get into that realm that's a, that's really a personal thing for everybody and you know you're not going to make everybody happy what you do isn't going to resonate with everyone sometimes you even offend people if it doesn't really line up with their version of spirituality or religion or whatever it gets it's it's kind of scary territory and maybe that understanding that you have is exactly why you're able to do what you do so well because mm. I think you realize okay if I didn't get the eye color correct his <laughs> nose might be the wrong shape for some people his skin mm. may not be exactly what people expect at least I can create a moment I can create mm. an emotional relatability in a scene where it goes beyond what he looks like you know and ultimately mm. That's what you're trying to portray is not what Jesus looked like, yeah. but what he is, you know, what he represents for people. Yeah. If that, if that ever happens, Kylie, I, that would make me very happy because that's, you, you said it better than I could. That's, that's really my intention. You know. What are the simplicities of life that help you feel inspired? You know, I think we all have little experiences, just little aha moments where, where you feel uh, a certain way, or, you know, and truthfully, you know, it may not matter what I feel. The great part about the visual arts is that it can be different for everyone else. The other people bring something to each of those images. Mm -hmm. And some of the best stories are when a painting serves as just kind of a conduit or a springboard for someone else. Causes them to slow down just long enough to maybe, in in this case, ponder the Savior, ponder Jesus, his life. And in doing so, maybe that person has a, a special experience just, you know, for them. And if these images can kind of be a part of that, I'm, I couldn't ask for too much more. I mean, because honestly, some people will will see these images and and they'll be, oh, that's fine, that's and and nothing will happen for them, and that's totally fine. But then, because of where someone else is in their journey or something that's happened in their life, it it might be just enough of a reminder that they'll. They'll have their own personal connection, experience, whatever. I've often talked about how jealous I am of the musical arts. How music, I think, is, the for me, the most immediate art form. You hear a, a wonderful piece of music, and it can just reach out and grab you and take you where it, it wants you to go, almost. It just sweeps you along. And you you can just be walking along and you hear this music and you're caught up in it. The visual arts, at least for me, are a little different in that you have to slow down. You have to slow down long enough 
to almost engage in a conversation with an image. And if you'll do that, it will give back to you. It may not, you know, immediately sweep you away, but you can participate in an experience if you'll if you'll give something first. It will give back. The experience that you just described with the painting is so much like Jesus in his parables. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, of just yeah, this this could be really easily glanced over and and passed. But if you're willing to engage with it and look yeah. just a little bit beneath the surface, you know, there's something really beautiful and meaningful to be found. Take all of those teachings and you wrap them just so sweetly into these images. You know, Jesus with a child looking at a flower or a butterfly. Like, how simple is that? And that was you. Somehow, that was me. <laughs> You, you strangely stopped using me when I was, like, going through, you know, maturing into an awkward yeah, teenager. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened. I'm going to put you on his lap again. <laughs> one of these oh. upcoming paint. All right, well. Crazy artists. I love you. Love you too, Kylie. Thanks. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye.